in Houston. I'm John Herter. It's Tuesday, the 23rd day of January. Great as always to have you along, everybody. From the Experts is a virtual networking opportunity flow accelerator, helping leaders across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. It's like a TED Talk with interaction. And if everything goes well, your curiosity is sparked, new ideas accelerate action, and you may have helped yourself or somebody else solve a problem, make a connection, reaching the opportunity faster. Folks, help me welcome guest expert, Andrea Rotolo. Andrea is the Global Head of Customer Sustainability at Rockwell Automation. She's at the forefront of driving sustainability innovation and advocating for the integration of AIML in the realm of industrial sustainability. With a track record spanning 20 years in global executive roles, she is a Fulbright doctorate in sustainable energy systems. Notably, she's also pursued specialization in digital business strategy and AI at MIT Sloan School of Management. Her contributions to the field have garnered LinkedIn, honoring her as a top voice in artificial intelligence. So today we're, we're looking forward to better understanding and contrasting some of the practical aspects and I'd say aspirations of this emerging AI first business model. Welcome, Andrea. Perfect timing. It kind of feels like we're on the verge of a, a new mega trend uh, with you on the leading edge. So super grateful to have you on from the experts uh, leading our discussion today. Thank you so much for having me. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the first time I'm going to be presenting this integrated view at how to run a responsible AI-guided organizations. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments, and, and questions. My, <laughs> my Zoom stopped working for me right now. <laughs> so this is not... Um, I may need to log off. I don't know if it's because people are signing in and maybe that's uh, creating a bit of a challenge. Uh, but can you see my now? Yes, we can see your presentation now. Okay, excellent. So today <laughs> I'm going to be talking about responsible AI-guided organizations for financial, operational, and ESG sustainability. By the way, I want to clarify that when I talk about sustainability, I'm not referring to just environmental sustainability. I'm thinking about on sustainability, about creating a system that's not self-defeating. And so when I'm thinking about an organization that's not self-defeating, I'm thinking of an organization that is able to be financially, operationally, and ESG, environmental, social, and governance um, sustain, sustainable looking at those three uh, realms using responsible AI. So this is a structure of the presentation today. I'm going to be talking first about financial performance and data-centric data operations, what is being called today as an AI-first organization. Then I'm going to move into how are we integrating AI within ESG and running that um, that journey or that strategy within organizations, and then how to integrate these uh, four realms to create a responsible AI-guided uh, organization. So jumping into bringing together financial performance and data-centric uh, operations, I highly recommend this uh, book. I actually finished a course last year at Harvard focused on how to 
compete and win in the age of AI. And basically what we looked is at how traditional product businesses compare with AI first companies and how they are organized, structured, uh, how do they operate, what are their differences and how does that impact their financial performance. And so to the left, when you look at traditional product companies, you see to the, to the left all these IT initiatives, which is, this is like spaghetti code for IT projects. And that's a reality in most organizations. Uh, I think, I, I believe most of us are sort of stuck in this IT project hell, <laughs> trying to basically figure out what project do we find and what is going to work. Uh, and where do we find the data? And we are calling one another, trying to figure out where's the data. And then we schedule a meeting and then a, a follow-up meeting to understand uh, where's the project and who's the owner of that data to advance on any initiative that we may have. To the contrary, on the right, we have that operating with AI and software at the core of the company with the data platform as the foundation. This is the norm of an AI-first company. And it's much more than just applying technology. This is completely rethinking how a company operates, making it digitally by design, uh, and investing in long-term um, in long-term initiatives that build the pillars to operate 100% on top of data, software, and AI. And this is the new way to serve customers at scale and also operate at unprecedented speed. So when we look at, to the left, a traditional product business versus an AI-first company, one of the, there are multiple, uh, analysis that have been made comparing these two kinds of operational designs and what they have, this is just one example, where BCG shares that operating with an AI first model brings 2x more growth, uh, 2x faster, and at 50% of the cost. So uh, out of this competing in the age of AI course, I learned that they've figure out that there's a strong relationship between data centricity and AI deployment capabilities and enterprise performance. So AI first companies use AI to drive digital scale, scope and learning. And is this ability to move to a digital representation of the business that, that is really a game changer. Just to give you an example, this way of designing the company and operating the company becomes infinitely scalable at virtually zero marginal cost. One example that they shared is from Ant Financial, which is an Alibaba spin-off. They're able to serve 1.2 billion customers with only 10,000 employees. And by comparison, Bank of America only serves 67 million customers and needs 20x more employees. I think that's quite, that shows the difference of one model versus the other one. And when we think about expanding your scope as your business moves to become a platform powered by a massive scalable digital operating model, 
you gain the opportunity to connect this platform and its data to other services and stakeholders, therefore operating in the data in the platform economy. Then in terms of learning, as you capture more data, you get better algorithms. As you get better algorithms, you get better services. You improve on your services, which will lead to more usage of your services, which will bring even more data. So that's how this um, data and learning flywheel only becomes possible when you think in a digital first representation of your business. That's how digital operating model, what's so-called the AI first companies can increase the value per user at almost net zero uh, marginal cost versus a traditional product business that as it tries to grow and bring more value per customer, the cost also increases and the complexity of the operations of the company. But one thing that's very interesting, I think many of you have seen this curve in the past, but now we have clearly AI is here. And this is what's going to accelerate the, this is, they call it a collision of the two companies, the traditional product business companies and the digital AI first companies. AI, the impact of AI is it's going to accelerate network and learning effects. And therefore traditional companies will have less time to act to become a digital company, an AI first company. So anyway, I think a lot of people miss this point in how the curves uh, leave less time to traditional product business companies. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about these other two topics. And I have removed the word responsible because as I will share later on, unfortunately, we didn't have an initiative globally looking at responsible AI and sustainability. So there are trillions of dollars going behind sustainable investments. And companies that bring together digital transformation and ESG performance, or let's just call it ESG. When I'm talking about sustainability here, let's call it ESG. When companies bring together uh, digital transformation and ESG, they are outperforming their peers because they can do multiple things. They can report on actual operational data that's auditable, and they can use that data to optimize some processes that's going to have an impact on their ESG performance metric. Now, the promise of AI for ESG is quite significant. It's theoretical, though, right? This potential to reduce emissions uh, here, they are estimating, BCG is estimating 10% of the total emissions in the world, adding $3 trillion in uh, value add when applied to corporate sustainability. When we look at AI and the UN Sustainable Development Goals, there's theoretically all these positive impacts, but potentially as well negative impacts of how AI is going to, um, again, impact the environment, society, and the economy. Now, now let's look at some specific examples of uh, how AI is today impacting negatively uh, towards ESG performance. 
So if I look at AI and energy consumption, we look like, uh, we see that AI and AI model can emit as much carbon as five cars in their lifetimes. It's just one example. And that AI has been increasing its energy consumption 10x per year for the past about 15 years. Also, when we look at AI and water consumption, we see that AI tools have created a spike in Microsoft's water consumption. And these are very recent news. I was actually wondering why Microsoft didn't use AI to estimate the potential impact of water consumption before they, they did this. But anyway, just, just an interesting uh, reality. And one of the things we see is that Today, only 13% of the companies out there that could e implement the use of AI for ESG are, are the minority, are 13%. But as the AI market uh, grows and people better understand how to implement this technology, this number is also as well going to increase. That's why I thought it's very important that we look at the intersection of ESG and AI, yes, but responsible AI, where we, for example, if we look at reducing the greenhouse gas emissions using AI to optimize a process, that's fantastic. But if that is going to impact uh, labor, right, that falls under the social pillar, right, if you're impacting the a metric within the environmental pillar in a positive way, but then you might be impacting a metric in the social pillar in a negative way, then are you truly building a sustainable future? Well, that's one of the concerns that I had, and that's what launched the creation of the first leadership working group in the world, looking at integrating responsible AI governance metrics within the ESG framework. So that work is being done. And so now we can say that we have at least an initiative looking at integrating responsible AI and ESG. So when I did this course last, last year, um, one this sub subtitle here, maybe you can't read it very well. So I'm, I'm going to read for you. It says, Competing in the age of AI, strategy and leadership when algorithms and networks run the world. And that wow. concerned me because I don't know if that's a future that I want. I don't know if that's a future that the majority of people want. And this is one of my favorite phrases. Actually, it was, um, they said that Abraham Lincoln uh, was the, the the owner of this phrase, but then uh, th there are some um, discussions about that. That's why I didn't author this phrase to anyone. Uh, but this is one of my favorite phrases, which is that the best way to predict the future is to create it. So I think that we are at this inflection point where leaders have a tremendous responsibility uh, in integrating the financial performance of a company with this new way of operating a company which is data-centric and using AI, I believe that the use of AI needs to be responsible and it needs to be aligned with operationalizing ESG, uh, ESG strategies that will all lead 
to a true sustainable future for the organization and for the planet. And this is a very conceptual model. It's extremely challenging to operationalize something like this, but I thought it would be very important to bring it up to all of you because I believe that only the collective intelligence of all of us um, is going to be able to come up with the best way of creating a sustainable future while operationalizing all these different uh, components that are necessary for a corporation to succeed. And with that, I I think I'm a little bit over time, but Wonderful. I'm trying to <laughs> present that as fast as possible. Thank you very much, Andrea. So we have one question uh, that's come in the, the, the box here. It's uh, talking about you know, what are best practices for AI first companies in terms of providing employees the right access to the tools? What's your take on that? And folks, finish uh, finish the poll real quick and I'll share that. Go ahead. I'd, what I notice is that the majority of companies are being quite reactive to AI. And so the way that companies are starting to operationalize the use of AI is through initiatives that employees bring up and they just get excited and they, they get working on initiatives. And, and it's this uh, bottoms up approach, uh, which I learned is not going to work as effectively as if the CEO of the company has a clear idea that they want to create this transformation in the company and to provide clear guidelines to their employees about what's the best use of that, uh, of the technology. I also suggest that if you are interested in using this technology and there's not a clear plan in place, that you ask for that plan. First, I recommend leaders to work on a plan that has to uh, have a clear direction of how you're planning to integrate these technologies and the impact this is this could have in your employees. But if you're an employee and you don't have that clear, uh, clear directives, then I suggest that you ask for clear directives because um, this is definitely going to impact how we work. It's going to impact how we operate, it's going to, uh, it is already a tool that enables to do improved decision making, improves decision making, but it's going to change everything we do. Exactly. Um, One of the questions that uh, came up from the group was a little bit different here, but uh, with all of the, the, the AI compute power required, how are we going to accommodate the need for energy uh, in a sustainable way. What what uh, that's got to be a key element here, huh? Yes, absolutely. It's a it's a key element. No one has the answer. Clearly, Microsoft turned on the engines, and then there was a spike in water consumption, and the communities were concerned about how the water is being used for the data centers versus how this could impact the communities where these data centers are located. Um, there are not, no clear answers right now. 
But yes, this technology consumes resources that um, are that all humans that humans need as well. That's why I created this leadership group with the Responsible AI Institute. We have fifty organizations being part of the discussion to make sure that as we advance with the use of this technology, we are taking a comprehensive approach, looking at the ESG impact. And as you saw on my presentation, that slide deck that had just a summary of some of the environmental metrics, some of the social metrics, and some of the governance metrics, the reality is that some things, we can make some connections Humans, we can understand that if you implement an energy optimization model that uses AI and therefore you don't need some of your workforce, that's going to impact work, your workforce, right? There will be labor displacement. That's an obvious connection. However, I think that the more we bring in the data points about ESG performance and we look at how AI is shifting the different performance of each of the metrics, we will have a better understanding at cross correlations that right now we don't we don't even know of. Yeah, thank you. So, just a real quick uh, review of the three question survey. Uh, it looks like about fifty percent of the companies or people here, their firms are pursuing an AI first approach, uh, and seventy uh, percent of those believe that uh, AI responsible governance. Uh, does align with their interests and they are, they're doing it. And um, and then about 40% of the folks uh, are interested in sharing. But with regards to sharing uh, insights and contribution, uh, that last question, um, Dr. Goreshi uh, had asked, hey, could you explain a little more on the collaboration you're looking for, right, for people to share? Right, so... I would like to, if you don't mind, ask a question back to the audience. When people are thinking of pursuing an AI-first approach, um, are you designing your company so that you will have minimal human involvement in your company? Because an AI-first, I guess I struggle a little bit with what is AI-first versus human-first, right? Where AI is said, in, in, it empowers a human to build a more sustainable company. Um, yeah, so if anyone is uh, viewing the development of their company as an AI first, where do you see the role of the human in that company in the future? Hey, Stephen, could I be so bold to ask you to uh, speak up here from your perspective? Yeah, I have a, I, I'm, I'm writing to at the same time. So there's a big question that's going to be posted to everybody there. You know, it's, it's the, the safeguards and the balances that we typically employ, you know, looking to better understand the systems that are in place and the implications of those systems as they, you know, work across the workforce. So, and that's part of the, the question that I was going to post to the group is like, there's a lot of opinions out there, but a lack of actual data. Like we, we talk about the expense of, of the chat GPTs and these, these huge trainings and such. Yeah, we're talking billions of dollars and water and GPUs galore, but there's a lot of shallow learning, a lot of traditional deep, uh, traditional learning that isn't so expensive that we're employing in the workforce. And that's the things that we have a heavy focus in enterprise because they're explainable and transparent versus some of these other techniques, you know, they're just not. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to 
you know, work with traditional machine learning, traditional AI versus uh, some of the stuff on the news and such, because there's less applicability out of, you know, certain well-known use cases and such. Uh, but then in terms of, you know, safeguards, we're always looking to like, if you look at the New York City employment decision stuff, like have a human involved when it's impacting people, when it's high risk. So, and we've always done this, like look at drug discovery, look at, you know, health, anywhere where we're the finance, where we're dealing with people, insurance recommend, anywhere when we're actually impacting people, we have to make sure that we have a careful hand because machines make very kind of clear cut decisions and biases. And sometimes the data changes, but we weren't smart enough to look at that aspect of the data changing. So you need that human in the loop to kind of validate those solutions in the high risk area. But I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, Stephen, could you just tell everybody who you're with so they'll know where you're coming from? Sure, I'm I'm with IBM, and I used to run all the shared services around you know AI use cases. But I handle all the AI readiness and governance for the Chief Privacy Office, and all of the uh, data privacy governance uh, for the Privacy Office. Everything you saw in front of the Senate Committee, etc. Uh, all the data and 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 model clearances coming into the company. So everything that you can you know see that that we're taking out to the public and such uh, that goes through uh, my technology. Great. Before we move to Dale, he's got his hand up. Uh, Andreas asks, how can we actually integrate the empirical AI with natural laws, physics, chemistry, biology, and uh, human wisdom insight to make predictions, recommendations more realistic? What's your take on that, anybody? Well, we'll start with you, Andrea. Let me read it again. How can we integrate empirical AI with natural laws and human wisdom insight to make predictions and recommendations more realistic? That's so interesting. Well, I don't think I don't think we are very good actually right now. I've been thinking about how can we design this system to follow uh, more of the bio biomimicry, right? How can we design this AI uh, organizational model following biomimicry? I don't think anyone has done that. Um, now. Regarding the integration of AI with human wisdom and insight, this is where I challenge a little bit the AI first model. And I think that you have to have a human first, human centric model, uh, where it's always for the benefit of the human and the human is involved in providing perspective to AI. Since these algorithms are evolving with the data that we provide. I think that that would be the integration now with uh, the with biology and and I'm I'm not that sure. I've been hearing about some approaches that where there would be a, more sensors out there, even sensors that they want to integrate within the human body and may help us evolve into a cyborg to provide that level of integration within our bodies to inform the AI. Um, I think we need to, instead of uh, waiting for that to happen, I think we need to be involved in the discussion. That's why I'm bringing up this, this topic today, because I think that we, instead of suffering from future shock, I don't know if you've heard of this book, uh, we have to, make sure that we are critical um, critical uh, stakeholders helping right. inform what the future needs to look like. Otherwise, right. the future will be decided for us. 
Sorry for that long-winded That's what answer, we're here. but I, it's also a difficult topic for me because when I hear this kind of terminology about cyborgs and what the, the future of human evolution is to look like, it's a tough topic to, to digest. Agreed. Dale. Thank you. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Uh, I, uh, Andrea and I were classmates okay. at this uh, Harvard AI course. Good seeing you. Great presentation. Good to see you. Um, I just want to uh, emphasize a bit more what Andrew's just talking about on the human first side. Uh, I'm with Intelios, and we are a nonprofit healthcare organization on a global basis that certifies healthcare professionals. And AI has the uh, potential to completely transform our business model to improve our outcomes, which is you know patient safety and patient outcomes. But um, the technology is there. And one of the things we are learning as we are moving into an AI first type organization is human first. And what we are finding, and actually this was brought up a lot at the Harvard class, was actually the culture shifts that are required to make this successful. And uh, we use the term augmented intelligence, not artificial intelligence. And to start, uh, people have a preconceived notion of AI, such as we're seeing on this call. And it's actually overall negative because of the threats that it can bring. And no matter what technological infrastructure AI first uh, projects you come into play, unless your organization and your people culture is accepting and understands and uh, it, 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 will not, it will not succeed. And um, so I just wanna emphasize that as, as a human first that Andrew's uh, mentioning, it's, it's absolutely essential. From a business perspective, it is an absolute different change management platform and philosophy than uh, historically has been done. And to me, that's even more important than actually the, the, the technological advancements that can occur. Otherwise, what you wanna do simply won't happen. Excellent. Um, uh, Bob, I wanted to, uh, I'm sorry, Andrea, do you wanna, you have a remark on that? That's very encouraging. Thank you so much, Dale. Uh, I know that this course, by the way, it's an amazing course. I highly recommend it. But as you've seen, right, they they look at how AI first companies compared to traditional companies uh, from a financial performance standpoint. And my point here is I think we need to look at the overall performance integrating as well uh, ESG performance, because it's not just about short-term impact, but the long-term impact that this can have within the organization, but also in the environment and society as a whole over time. Any other questions uh, based on what uh, Dale just talked about? Feel free to go ahead and speak up. And um, while you're thinking about... Uh, uh, sorry, I have a question, follow-up question. Do you think most of the fear is because they've tried something and it has bounced back, or is it because they're even struggling to adopt? Um, what is the reason for the fear? Can you introduce yourself real quick? Tell them who you are. Hi, Rupa Nagraj. I work for uh, VMware, which is now a Broadcom company. Um, I'm responsible for partner sales with uh, HPE. So I don't know if that question was, uh, is this question for me or for Dale, Rupa? 
either of you right i'm you know i was listening to both of your uh, um, discussions there and i was i'm trying to understand what is the root cause right why why they feel human first there's so much um discussions happening all over the place lot of keynotes in every event you can think about everybody just hammers on ai every technology company since i'm in a technology development company not in a practitioner kind of company we are being hammered to develop more solutions for ai etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm trying to understand when we develop solution they need to be adopted as well right so if if customers are struggling i would like to know what, where is the struggle is it because they've been hurt before mm-hmm. by trying that or is that because they're having um fear of adoption i think based on my experience the majority of companies are struggling to know where to start and where is the biggest impact use case uh they need to prove what the value is and then what the impact of that use case uh could be now i think the majority of companies are being reactive in the um, adoption and use of ai and they don't have a long term plan and what we learned they'll uh, may may bring this up as well is that it's very important to have the ceo have a deep commitment to a long term transformational journey because uh this is going to be a painful process for organizations to restructure their operations and to restructure how how they work um but what i see right now mostly it's a uh, confusion about how to embrace this new technology and my point here today is there is a model on how to become how a traditional company can become more of an ai first company but i think that we need to keep in mind responsible ai governance and esg and to be very clear there are no not clear responsible ai well adopted across the board uh, governance um, processes in place that are easily adopted so it's also a struggle to figure out okay what of everything that i could do should i be focusing on first so i think more than fear there's quite a lot of confusion thanks andrea uh, dale uh yes uh, andrea well said and rupa it's a great question i'll just add on to what andrea said uh even much more fundamental from my perspective uh i have the opportunity i am the ceo of our company and it it's much more fundamental as with any change because people ask what's in it for me right and uh when they ask that question and with all the pr as you were saying rupa that's going on what they are hearing is that i'm going to be out of a job and i'm going to be irrelevant <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. the fear that's the fear right yeah, it's a maturity and, uh, curve right it's a maturity yeah. curve like what we went through when you know there was automation being developed but yeah. ai has been spoken of sorry i didn't mean to cut you but probably you can provide perspective to this that ai has been spoken of very boldly widely demonstrations of chatbots nlps uh, llms those are the typical use cases that everybody showcases right uh, and in the consumer space you have i mean in my house i use the uh, robot vacuum uh, <laughs> that has some applicability right so those are purposeful now 
I know we are talking more enterprise, maybe here, not retail or maybe consumer. But yeah, so uh, even in banks, right, they're using chatbots. They're trying to do a lot of automation and avoid human interaction, having to go into bank, things of that nature. So don't you think that we've crossed some kind of uh, chasm last year with so much hype happening in technology companies? Anybody? Yeah, I, I, I want to add something here. Um, Explain who you are. I think, <laughs> I think uh, in general, AI is not AI. I mean, there are many forms of AI, and uh, the applicability uh, depends on the relevant business processes that need to be improved. Um, there are vision AI models for quality assurance. There are machine learning models for optimization of plants. There are large language models. And the underlying um, intelligence under those models is, is vastly different. Um, so when looking at an organization, you need to really make sure um, what uh, particular process you're looking at and, and want to improve. And not all models obviously have any impact on on the labor force in some form or fashion. So, uh, and then another important point I want to point out is what key performance indicators in your organization do you want to improve and how will you measure that? And you should have that. You should know that before you implement your artificial intelligence. So thanks. Thank you very much. And uh, to, to the point of, of the impact this is going to have on jobs, yes, uh, it's going to impact jobs. Some roles as you deploy AI within your organization. So my uh, suggestion is that uh, leadership needs to put a plan in place on how the journey would look like, needs to work with their employees. So instead of having the employees be stressed out and frightened about this, involve them on this journey and share with them what your plans are to um educate them to get to the next level within the organization so that instead of them being afraid about losing their jobs, they understand that they are going to be upskilled to the next role in the organization. Thank we, you. we all know that if your workforce is uh, stressed out, then and their performance is going to be reduced. And, uh, and also, you don't want to have your, <laughs> your workforce being stressed out. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's so, not so uh, Andreas, I see that your hand's raised. Introduce yourself quickly and share your question. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Andreas Bansakos. I'm an energy consultant and expert. Previously worked in uh, oil and gas. I I think we over there, we have certainly applied a lot of AI and we're also aspiring to use a lot of AI. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I think that we uh, we can probably frame the the question a little bit, bit different. We always have concerns, and of course, co concerns are very productive because that's how we solve problems. We are certainly need to spend some energy on the concern about whether jobs will be uh, lost or maybe redeployed or or reassigned. But I think the biggest concern that we also brought up, which we need to spend more uh, energy on, is how will the decisions and the recommendations of AI will impact our world? And I think Andrea really brought that very nicely as a frame here. I think we will be probably more impacted by the decisions of AI into our personal and professional life. Who gets hired? Who gets promoted? Who gets laid off? Or who gets assigned uh, something, a project? Then, then, of course, the fact that are we going to have a job on, on what we're doing today? Probably not, but that will happen with a lot of other revolutions, right? With the computers. So uh, I think that structuring the AI is more important. And of course, being proficient like we're doing today, we're learning more about AI, is the safe way to have a job in the new economy. So any last, totally agree. any last thoughts, Andrea, before we move on to the next segment? Yes, yes. Uh, few thoughts. So AI-first organizations clearly have shown that they outperform their peers financially. And as soon as they collide with the traditional product business, they, that means they are taking that traditional product business company um, out of business. The way that the AI first model works is that, that when you design a company in that way, the mindset is to digitize everything with scale in mind. And they create these new operating systems to rapidly deploy algorithms. Right? So now AI becomes a new runtime, a new engine of execution. So to your point, Andreas, it becomes the system that's going to guide, if not make decisions for humans. That's the model that has been proposed and it's already working in the world. And I think that we, it's a it's very interesting. I definitely see the value and there are very interesting things about it. My call is for us to make that model evolve into something better, something that's going to build a thriving future for us all. And it's not an easy challenge, but I think that we can definitely do it. That's why I wanted to, to join you all today. Thank you. We're, we're looking forward to seeing uh, your white paper come out in the next, uh, I guess, weeks uh, to get our hands on a little more of that thinking and writing. And um, uh, we're grateful for that. So, so folks, how was the discussion today? You can see that the uh, survey's up. Please go ahead and complete that. Our post-show notes will hit your inbox very soon with the slide deck, with all of our connections for the attendees, so you can reach out to each other and other resource links. To learn more about who we are and what we do and register for more shows like this, please visit us on our website at fte.network. Check out our library of expert content and never miss a show by subscribing to our YouTube, Apple, and Spotify channels. 
So with over 2,500 members, 20,000 plus followers across more than 45 industries, the FTE network is growing fast thanks to you and our sponsors. That does it for us today, folks. Once again, thank you very much, Andrea, and to all of you from the experts.